Welcome to episode 56. As always, you can find the podcast on the web at enterprisehardcorepodcast.com. That's where you'll find all the streaming and social media information. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, on Instagram, I always post like old flyers as well as upcoming flyers and upcoming episodes. So make sure you give us a follow on Instagram, Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. Uh, there's a Patreon if you want to give a couple bucks, trying to get some new gear and do some live episodes later this year. Uh, we'll have some incentives for all, all tiers soon. Uh, drop the episodes a couple days early, stuff like that. Uh, probably doing a merch drop in the spring too, so I'll have some more info on that. Uh, there's a bunch of good shows coming up. Uh, Buffalo's got a ton. I'm not going to mention all theirs, but just just uh, keep your eyes open if, if you're looking for shows in Buffalo because they have like literally like seven or eight in February. Uh, but locally, we got a couple good shows coming up in February. Uh, we'll be talking more about the Madball show in this episode, so I'll kind of save that for my guests and I to talk about. But also February 18th at Photo City, uh, Death Before Dishonor, Ringworm, Borrowed Time, The Weight We Carry, Wrong, Room, uh, Wrong Move, and Leaking Head. Uh, February 18th at Photo City, so check that one out. Uh, so yeah, this is episode 56. Uh, back in the beginning, I had uh, Jim Callahan on, and him and I talked a lot about some of the stuff that uh, my guests tonight are going to be talking about, but it'll be interesting to get his perspective, and I guess to see uh, you know, how much of the truth Jim was really telling on those episodes. So tonight we're going to be talking to Patrick. Uh, you know, I've never asked you how to pronounce your last name. I'm not going to butcher it, so I'll ask you to say it when I bring you on. Uh, how's everything uh, going for you tonight, Patrick? It's good. It's going good. Uh, you can. It, Loyacano is the uh, the Americanized version of it. <laughs> I'm sure I could say Loyacano. Yeah. For some reason, I thought it was a little more uh, a little more in depth than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, Loyacano is the true pronunciation, but I mean, I, I I'm first generation and then second generation on my the lawyer Connell side so they've always called it lawyer Connell, so i just go with that whatever nice. uh so yeah i guess you're kind of talking about it a little bit there we'll start with the upbringing first uh before we talk about bands and stuff um kind of tell me about your upbringing and just kind of what your musical interests were like before the heavy stuff if there was anything oh uh, well my my taste in music is all over the place <clears throat> So we will go into more of that, but uh, my upbringing, I mean, I was uh, born on the, the west side of Rochester, uh, very large Italian and Irish neighborhood, uh, all Catholic, you know, uh, so I grew up with a lot of guilt and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of uh, self-loathing, you know, <laughs> things like that. Um, you know, I was, was an altar boy, you know, nobody touched me, but I was, I was still an altar boy. Uh, so I wasn't in it for the sex. <laughs> um, I mean, Lyle Avenue was a tough neighborhood, but uh, it got it got worse as obviously the years went by. I mean, it's nothing now. You don't even recognize the place now, but it was still a tough neighborhood back when I was a kid. Uh, so you kind of had to, uh, I don't know, you wore a lot of that stuff on your sleeve. You know, it, you grew up in a, a, a tough neighborhood. You, could, you either had to be a tough, tough yourself or uh, find somebody who was tougher than you to be friends with, which, you know, obviously growing up, that's kind of what I did was this kid in our neighborhood named Romeo that like, he was the toughest kid in the neighborhood. So we all like kind of tagged along with him, you know, <laughs> growing up was an interesting time. Uh, you know, and I grew up on Texas street. We walked, you know, the, the railroad tracks to see how far away it would go things like that. It was the seventies and eighties. You know, you, you read comic books, you rode your bikes and you walked the tracks. That's pretty much what you did. And uh, you know, so uh, it, 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 that was pretty much my upbringing. Um, you know, my mother was, uh, you know, born in Italy. She was, 
she came here when she was like nine. So it wasn't like she was, you know, I had to, we didn't, we didn't grow up speaking Italian. Uh, my grandmother lived down the street from us. She spoke Italian pretty much all only. So yeah, I get to learn a little bit about that as it's grown up. I, I a lot of broken English in my house. <laughs> For people so. that aren't familiar with our city, uh, isn't that kind of like an Italian area too? Cause they got like, it was, I mean, yeah. it, it is, it's, not so much now. I mean, we have what's called Little Italy over there now, um, it, but it, is it really? You know, what I mean, it's like, it's 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 the neighborhood used to be primarily Italian American. Like I said, it was all Irish, Italian, Catholic, the whole area, Lyle Avenue area. Uh, most of my family moved to either Gates. Actually, I live in Gates now. Either either Gates or Greece, Spencerport. You kind of they kept going west, you know, more west. Uh, a few of them went to East Rochester, things like that, you know, where, you, you know, it, 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 a lot of there's a lot of a huge Italian community out there, too. So <laughs> Victor, you know, Canandaigua, a lot of my family's all over the place. Yeah, uh, a lot of my guests on the podcast have come from the suburbs. And I always say, you know, you don't choose where you come up, grow up, obviously. But right. like, like like Jim and myself, you have more of the, the city and you're obviously kind of hinting yeah. at it with having to be tough a little bit. So um like what kind of what 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 where were you uh, gravitating towards musically though to kind of ease your okay. mind that well, way I guess as a youth? Well, my best friend, uh, his father and my father were like best friends in high school, and he lived three doors down from my grandmother, which was also like we lived above my grandmother for the first like four years of my life or whatever. So I was over at my grandmother's house a lot over on Texas Street, which and most of that street doesn't even exist anymore. It's mostly bought out by the plumbing company that lives there. Uh, that yeah, not lives there, but you know, that's where they do their business. So they they like took over the whole place as a piping company. Um, but uh, yeah, so he and I uh, listened to a lot of what his father was listening to. His father was a Vietnam vet, uh, a very eccentric guy. Listened to a lot of like uh, really oddball stuff, you know, like Yellow, uh, Susie and the Banshees, um, obviously Ramones. But he'd also listen to stuff like Bob Seger, you know, I mean, the stuff from his, his, the, the late sixties, early seventies, we kind of, we kind of gravitated towards the stranger stuff, you know, like, uh, I, you know, I watched, you know, I remember seeing rock and roll high school when I was a little kid in seventies and the Ramones were always kind of interesting. So, you know, the punk rock thing was kind of still new, you know, still kind of fresh the, the, the mainstream punk, I should say, because like, obviously punk's always kind of been there since the sixties or so with the kinks and, you know, yeah, bands like that. So, I, you know, I grew up listening to a lot of that stuff. <clears throat> um, my dad listened to a lot of Motown and Elvis. <laughs> so I kind of grew up listening to that. Uh, my friends got me into things like, you know, Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and Marshall Tucker, you know, Southern rock, that kind of thing. So I grew up with a very wide range of tastes. You know, and then as I got a little older, about 13 or so, 12 or 13, I remember it was like 1983, so probably yeah, about 12 years old, uh, my best friend shows me this album, and it's a bunch of guys on the cover hanging upside down, and the name of the album is Suicidal Tendencies, and I was like, okay, let's check this out, and that was my introduction to like more modern, like skate punk, hardcore, that crossover sound. And after that, it was like sold. I was sold, you know what I mean, on that sound. And then as I got a little older than that, you know, I, I met Jim in, in high school. 
we became really good friends. You know, there was, we, we knew who each other's were passing because we went, kind of went to middle school and high school together. So, you know, we knew each other in passing. And then we like ended up sitting next to each other. I'm sure, you, I think you told the story on your podcast already. We ended up sitting next to each other because our last names coincided with the rows or whatever. <clears throat> he got me more into things like Agnostic Front and, and, uh, and I had, at the point, I had already started going to local shows. Like my first local show was like um, Hunger Artist. And I want to say it was, I know one of the first ones I went to was uh, Verbal Assault King. So that was like one of my first like actual hardcore shows. And it was at Backstreet's and it was, it was nuts. It was, you know, these guys were jumping all over the place. They're all a little bit older than me. I was probably like 14, 15, 16 around there. And, you know, watching them do that made me just like fall in love with hardcore music. And then I got into stuff, obviously, like Minor Threat and Black Flag and all the bands that were around at the time, you know, early 80s, mid 80s, um, you know, punk bands. Um, uh, I forgot where I was now. The, the Verbal Assault show, I think. Yeah. So that really sold me on like that whole 80s uh, style of uh, you know, punk and hardcore, uh, hardcore punk. Then, you know, Bad Brains, bands like that. It's, you know, hearing HR, the, you know, as somebody, somebody, I remember when somebody described him as two cats fighting his vocal style. And I was like, that's perfect. That was it. You know, and there was just so much raw energy in his, in his vocals that, I don't know. That whole feeling of hardcore was just was just amazing. You know, it was like you felt you really. And the thing is, you felt welcome. You felt part of it because you were misfit like everybody else that was there. So you know, y'all just it was like you finally found your tribe. You know, going to hardcore shows. And uh, yeah, after a while, we, not only did we start going, but we decided to start a band. You know, me and Jim decided to start a band with our friends from high school, and then you know that was that was the, the introduction to our first band, Rotgut, which I think you had on the list here. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was going off of bands that I remember you being in. Yeah. And that's obviously bands that I remembered from doing with the interview too, while with Jen. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Rock Up was the first one you guys played in together though, or? Yes, that was the first one. Uh, that was, yeah, he he and I had both, like I said, I just, I was, I was trying to play guitar. I didn't really like it. I mean, it was all right, but yeah, it was like, yeah, chords are boring, things like that. And I don't know, for some reason, I just, I gravitated to bass. It just felt a lot more comfortable. First of all, I have huge hands. So it just felt more natural in my hands, the, the long neck, the, the wider frets. It was just more natural for me to play it. Um, and I just liked being the low end. I didn't really want to play the high notes. I wanted to play the low stuff, the, you know, the, the rhythm basically. And uh, Jim had just gotten a drum set and was kind of like learning. So we kind of learned together, you know, as we went, we're still learning. Uh, <laughs> so you guys had seen hunger artists and stuff like that locally. Yeah. Like, were you guys trying to connect with those guys like when you were starting your band or were you just kind of do it like because I know obviously sonically that's, that's the music was a little bit different. So like what were you guys yeah. trying to like, uh, were there well, local bands you guys were trying to connect with already at that point too? Or? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we hung around more because it really wasn't uh, like where we, we went to Edison Tech uh, High School, which is a vocational high school if you, if it, for anybody who needs to know. Um, uh, we both took electric, you know, I took electrical engineering. Jim was also in ele computer electronics. Uh, and we, there really wasn't, uh, a scene for us. We hung with the metalheads, you know what I mean? Cause that was what was there that we, they were the ones that were like the closest to like heavy music that we can listen to that we really enjoyed. So, and but plus, I mean, Jim really had, we had a history of listening to a lot of metal. I was more of the, 
the, the, the punk guy and Jim was more of the metal guy. And then we both became more of the metal guys. Like, you know, I, I obviously I started liking, I mean, I grew up listening to Sabbath. So I was listening to like Dio, you know, things like that. I was a huge Dio fan. Um, so, you know, I always listened to the metal. So we hung out with the metal heads, you know, and then we got into like Megadeth and metal, Metallica, you know, Metallica in 83, 84 was just giant. You know, I mean, it was, they were just killing it and Slayer and, you know, the Iron Maiden. I mean, these bands are like legendary now, but I mean, it was all new back then for us. And it was just uh, crushed it. The stuff that they played was just so melt, face melting for us at the time. Did those bands play here back then? I guess I've never really thought to ask anybody that. Yeah, like, the, we had the or... well, it, sure they did. Uh, but Metallica played with um, Ozzy Osbourne at uh, I think it was the War Memorial at the time, which is Blue Cross Arena now. Yeah, um, I believe that was that was the Master Puppet tour, and that was I think the Cliff's last tour with them. Um, so that was it. That's what we did. I think it was just before he passed that yeah. you know that he played here. Um, but yeah, they played here. Like you know, we saw, I saw Megadeth a bunch of times. Um, saw. Let me think. I, well, I, did Anthrax come through? Yeah, they they came through for something. I can't remember what it was. But yeah, we also saw Metallica at the War Memorial uh, for the Injustice for All tour, and uh, obviously uh, bands like Suicidal Tendencies, Queensrÿche. These all all these bands. I mean, I I used to go to all the metal. Any any heavy music i'm talking like kiss Dokken, scorpions i used to love to go to see scorpion show because they were just so loud and crazy it was you know it was all that hair glam metal but whatever it was fun you know it was still fun it was still heavy and we played we rocked out to it you know <laughs> yeah so that was all the stuff that we, at the time it was like music was just there was so much different music but they all had the same kind of underlying just that that drive that there was that's what really drew me to is that 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 I don't know how the heart that was behind it, you know. It seems like, for lack of a better word, there was more of that crossover appeal back then too, where you could see bands sure. like that sporting shirts of like hardcore bands and vice versa. You know, absolutely, I'm saying, absolutely. I think it doesn't happen now, but it seems like now there's more. There's like 20 different st styles of like hardcore and metal and everything else. So it seems. Oh like sure, I mean, yeah. It, it, I guess back then it was just kind of just generic, just loud metal, loud rock whatever whatever you want to call it it was but you know it was, it was because in western new york it wasn't so centralized like in new york city you could have a scene you could have a single scene consisting of hundreds and hundreds of people up here your whole scene is hundreds and hundreds of people maybe yeah. if you're lucky you know on a saturday night down in new york city down in brooklyn you could pull a thousand people up here you're lucky if you pull 30 you know <laughs> So, unless it's um, a big arena show, unless it's a big arena show, because those shows always drew, obviously. What kind of shows were you guys playing? Was it more like mixed bills or like more? Of yeah, like oh, to, it was totally mixed bills. Um, yeah. You know, our first show was with, uh, I think our first, like, I can't remember if it was Jim would have to, Jim, I think Jim might know better than me. I, I Sometimes I forget who's got the better memory. <laughs> uh, uh, it was like Crystal Sin, which was like a local Harley rock band, you know, that kind of thing, that heavy rock. And, uh, Oh, it was um, Explicit Death, I think, was the other band. And obviously, Explicit Death, the Jet, you know, from Love, Hate, Tattoo. It was like one of his first bands. Um, he was the front man. And uh, so they were kind of like our version of Slayer, I guess you could say. So and then us. And then we were like a goofy punk band. No, we weren't really even a hardcore band at that point. We rocked up. It was just a just a goofy. We wrote dumb music about dumb things. And, and it was, yeah, it was whatever. We were having fun. You know, four kids from high school. We we're all like 15. I was like, I think I was the oldest at 16. 
you know. Oh, oh wow. I guess I, again, I don't, I, the interview with Jim was like two years ago and I don't, I don't remember you guys being that young when you were doing this band too. So sure. it, was, it was like, a yeah, real, we were, we were kids like young <laughs> high school band. So, uh, with the timeline, uh, where does the band, uh, zombie abortions fit into that? that whole thing? <laughs> I can't even believe you brought that up. Uh, that came in, that, we, that was some goofy thing we did while we were doing moment of truth. So that was, uh, that was it. later on, obviously. Yeah. It was just, some, it was really just Jim and I, we did it once at a party and, uh, we had like a crate on his head and candles and I was wearing like a rebel flag as a cape, which is like, you know, you can't do that today. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I had like an Elvira wig on or something like that. I mean, there's a video of it somewhere. I don't know. It's probably, I think it's, but it's not on a tape that like you can actually play in anything these days. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, cause I don't ever want that getting out, <laughs> I should have. but it was, I at, uh, it was at Braun Daler's house in his basement. Oh, nice. <laughs> I yeah. should have asked Jim when he sent it to me where the timeline fit in for all that. I think that's the only stuff he sent me to ask. So I, uh, I threw it in, in, in my outline. Did he ask, he asked you to ask me that? <laughs> yeah. I don't think he had, I had too many other, too much other funny stuff. I might go back and check the text, uh, in the middle of the interview or whatever to see, but that was the main thing I think. Oh, he mentioned yeah, that, rock too, but I wasn't planning on mentioning rock cause him and I had talked about that band before too. So, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it was the first band we did. It was, if, if that didn't exist, we wouldn't exist now. Right. I mean, it's, it's like you, the first band you're ever in is always going to be the worst band you're ever in. <laughs> well, for, unfortunately for me, the, the first and worst were pretty much the same for me. Cause I was only ever really in one band. So <laughs> I mean, technically two, but the only, they both were pretty much the same band. So now with moment of truth, did you guys, were you guys already kind of starting to like want to play that kind of like more hardcore style, like while you're doing oh. Moment of Truth was our was our was a decisive that that came because you know we had seen bands like we you know, we were obviously big fans of Agnostic Front, Crow Mag, Sick of It All, all these bands from the the, the late eighties, and we were like that's that's what we really wanted to bring here. We wanted to bring that. I mean, there were hardcore bands here, but there was no New York hardcore bands here. You know, what I mean, there was no New York hardcore sound here. Yeah. We wanted that heavy that I mean, and we still had lead leads and stuff like that in the music and and. Uh, it's just crazy, just heavy, heavy music. Something that really just makes you want to move, makes you want to hit something. You know what I mean? That's just that's the only way I can really ever describe it. It was fight music. You know what I mean? Not, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, yeah, we we did we had a kind of a reputation back then, but you know, it, it, thankfully we don't do that anymore because you know I'm 50 now. I don't know how well I can. I mean, I'm sure I can still hold my own, but I don't want to. <laughs> But that was what it was. It was fight music. It was fight music for angry men back in the back in the well, you know, because they're really I I like the fact that hardcore is going more towards there's a lot of more women coming into the scene. Cause we really didn't have that back then. It was a sausage party. It really was. <laughs> Honest to God. It was like angry young men, period. That was that was it. There was you know, you had there was women in the scene, but there weren't a lot of them. It's nice to see it's expanding like that, you know, and, and now you see women lead singers that are just phenomenal and you know. It's, it's great. You know, I love it. I love the diversity of, of hardcore now. Yeah, I've interviewed, I mean, this is episode 56, and I've interviewed one one other woman so far. And there's tons like current that I could interview, but like I've, I've in the beginning, I was mainly interviewing people from like the late 90s and early 2000s. Sure. For this and that's what you're going to find. You're in, the, in those yeah, that era, mostly, you're going to find mostly men. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few women that were like vocalists and a few other women that were involved in the scene, but now it's like tenfold compared to that, like, which is like, as you're saying, it's very cool to see. Now, one thing you were kind of, I'm going to jump back to what you were saying before that I don't think Jim and I really touched on, and I've never really thought about it like that, but you guys 
like you were saying, you were the first band in Rochester really to do that, like New York, like hard yeah. sound. Like I think I'm guessing ZT had have been around in Buffalo by this point already. So Buffalo kind of sure. had something like that, but Rochester hadn't really had a band like that. No, ZT, ZT, yeah, Zero Tolerance was doing it. I mean, yeah. we had Foundation, but Foundation really, I mean, were they really a Rochester band? I mean, you think about it, yeah. it was the RIT guys. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're great. I love considering them part of, because they were a fantastic band. Yeah. But they were obviously a little bit different, you know. Yeah. Um, and they weren't, they weren't really from Rochester. But I, yeah. I totally give them props, though, for, yeah. for what they did for the scene, because they were a great band. So yeah. I guess for the timeline, were you guys, did you guys form around the same time, you guys and Foundation, or? Yeah, we were all, we were all together around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So were you guys, I mean, we're, we're, we, we started, Jim, Jim, this had really been in the thought process around 1990. We really didn't become an, like an actual band until 91. That's when we got Jason. That's when we recorded our very first demo. You know, that's, that's when it was me, Chris, Vandewater, Jason Zeller, and Jim Callahan. That was the original moment of truth. Now that and that that was a lineup for a while though too, right? Because a lot of those dudes are still in the band. I know I know the CD that I had. Well, I don't know if there's any other CDs until the recent one, but the CD that I had had, had still had Jim and and Chris played guitar on it. I don't know if Chris was in the band when I saw them at the end. I can't remember. I well, I don't know much about that era because I was there until just about '94. Yeah, and then it was uh, I think Jeff alone who played bass after me. Okay. When I first started and, seeing them play, it was, it was Andy Gilmore, the really tall guy who, who makes yeah. like experimental noise and stuff like that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he played bass for them. Uh, that was my introduction to hardcore, honestly. was That was like my first show. Uh, yeah. Like a year after you're talking about, like 95. So. Right. See, it was it's um, tough for me because, you know, like I said, there was that it, 93 was a rough year for me. When my father passed, uh, it was really hard to concentrate on music. And this is the part, you know, where Jim goes, it was my fault, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I really don't, you know, what's the point? I don't hold a grudge anymore. They, they, they kind of kicked me out of the band, but it was, I really wasn't participating at that point because my head wasn't in the game. So I don't blame them, but I mean, these were guys that like were my best friends at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was hard. It hurt a lot to get, to get it from them, but you know, you don't carry, I don't carry grudges anymore like that. It, there's no point. <laughs> you, had you already played a bunch of out-of-town shows and stuff by that point? I'm sure you had already played like Buffalo and Syracuse. By sure, Play, Buffalo, yeah, Buffalo a bunch, Lockport a bunch. We played up in uh, Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, there were, we, we played, played all over the place. I mean, it was it was, uh, but it was mostly like the, you know the Western New York region, Erie, Pennsylvania. You know, yeah, um, that whole area. Yeah. Well. We'll circle back to moment of truth towards the end to talk about the current stuff. And I, one other thing I want to ask, though, too, that I've, it's an obvious question, but I've never asked anybody. Did you guys name it after the Slapshot song? Or uh, Chris Vanderwater's brother Eric said, "If I ever had a hardcore band, I would name it Moment of Truth after the Slapshot song." And so yes, that's exactly what that's okay. exactly where it's from. Okay. I want and to the funny thing is, we've never covered that song. Really? Well, gotta, <laughs> no, no. There's always time. So. Well, I mean. We're not really that sound, you know. What I mean, Slapshot yeah, had its own true. sound. It has it has that's its own true. like they have that oi style hardcore yeah. sound, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so now, the, when I actually first met you, I don't even know if you remember meeting me back then. It's like the Hub Cafe days, which. What's funny is that you said that. I'm like, oh my god, that is where I met Josh. <laughs> yeah, for people that aren't familiar with it's Hub Cafe is probably like a niche thing at this point, but it's it's an interesting thing to kind of look back on, like the mid '90s. I mean, I was only a teenager, so it's kind of a new thing to me, like having the internet accessible yeah. like that and then you could go, like, go to a cafe and drink drinks and 
like talk, like chat with people online. And it was interesting, but musically, uh, a lot of stuff was changing too. I mean, a lot of people in hardcore were playing different kinds of music then too. Like the guys from quicksand, like quicksand, handsome, like all these different kinds of bands. And then there was like the warp tour bands. So when you sent me the other bands you were playing, it kind of got me thinking about that era. Like, but you also told me too, I guess, before I asked the question that you, you're into like a lot of diverse styles of music. So sure. I was like in between, in between playing like, in like moment of truth and fall guy, when you started playing in like more like, I guess for lack of a better word, like melodic and stuff like that bands, weird bands, (laughs) straight up weird bands. No, I won't say, okay. I, I am a huge fan of offbeat shit. Excuse my language. Uh, I like offbeat stuff. Uh, the first, I played while I was hanging out at the hub cafe, a bunch of guys that hung out there were like poets and they played like the, you know, there was a few guys that were just amazing guitar players, things like that. So I hooked up with a couple of them and I started, I, we did this thing called camel Kabuki. Now what camel Kabuki was the only band that I could think of that would describe it perfectly is if you've ever heard King missile, that's pretty much what it was. It was bizarre poetry set to, uh, improv style, almost jazz music. And I played drums in that band. I did not play bass. Uh, the guitar player, Jason Richardson, I don't know if you know him or not, but yep. he's a phenomenal guitar yep. player. Plays with Reggie Hendrix and things like that now. You know what I mean? He's, the guy's amazing. He's a prodigy. And that's what, yeah, the three of us started it up. We did this little recording called CK1. And <laughs> it, was a bunch, it was a bunch of Luke's poems set to some bizarre music. Now, we, from that point, we kind of expanded on it. We got a sax player, a keyboard player, an actual bass player, uh, and decided to go on and do weird stuff in venues. Like we played like Java's, you know, the, the local coffee shops, I should say. So we played at a few coffee shops and uh, Moonbeans and things like that. And uh, it really turned some blue hairs because you know, <laughs> they, you know, you get these people like we went, we played the Memorial Art Gallery. Okay, and and we were there with at the time. Um, oh, I wish I could remember her name. She was the best poet in Rochester, and she she loved us. She wanted us to play with her, so we we got there. We played. Uh, it was Luke got an award for one of the best poets in Rochester too. He was the sing, the the singer, Luke Theers. He's actually a local comic now. Not to be too tangenty, but he's a local comic now, and he's actually really talented. So check him out if you can, Luke Theers. Anyway, <laughs> so um, props to him. Because yeah, the stuff he wrote was was very offbeat, very bizarre, very Dada-ish, and uh, so we yeah, we played at the Memorial Memorial Gallery, and people kind of didn't get it. <laughs> it was, but it was fun. I'm sitting there with a snare drum in my lap, because I forgot my stand, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was playing playing drums, and uh, everybody else was playing some weird music, and Luke was pretty much screaming his poetry, and it was uh, something to see. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I'm picturing like a Kevin Smith movie while you're, while you're telling that whole story, but it seems like the backdrop of like Kevin Smith movies. Pretty so. much it. <laughs> that you get uh, a dead on. That's pretty much nailed it right there. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I remember Jason too, obviously, because I'm yes. sure you remember Ryan Wade from back then too. Yeah. Well, he, oh, yeah. speaking of which, yeah, I was in Thirty Nine Dead. That was the next. That's where I was going to go next. Okay. So after Camel Kabuki, other people who were hanging around, Wyatt, Ryan Wade, and uh, Brant Cooney. Uh, the, Grant played drums, Jay played guitar, I played bass, and Wade was our singer. And we did a band called 39 Dead. We had two shows ever, one at Marv's out in Webster and one in some basement show. And it was the most fun band I think I've ever been in my life. We played garbage music. We did no effects covers. 
but it was great pop punk. It was just all pop punk. And it was so funny the, the the lyrics Wade came up with were outlandish and stupid. And it was funny. You know, it was just so much fun. Um, but yeah, still to this day, one of the most fun bands I've ever been in my life. And, and I've been in you know, a few bands and that was one of the, the most memorable because we've only played two shows, but it was just so much fun to play with those guys. Yeah, Wade's a really good dude. I haven't seen him in years. I don't even think he lives. I think he he lived in like San Diego or something. Last I knew, I don't know. If well, good good for him. Yeah, I wish I could. I wish I would have ran into him again because like pretty much yeah. after that, I I never really saw him again. Yeah. And that's a shame because you know like he did, he never really kept touch with anybody. Yeah. Um. But he was yeah it was it was fun being in a band with him because yeah. he was he was goofy. <laughs> yeah, he got more into like the whole like rock core punk side of the scene. Yeah, he, he was always band. a crust. Yeah, yeah more of a crusty guy. Band. Yeah, he was in the evicted, and I would always see him just like at all yeah. those shows and stuff. And he was, you know, he's always a good dude, though. So I'd love to chat with him and be having him on here at some point. So then you did one more, uh, uh, to, to use your terminology, weird band, I guess, before you jump back into that. Oh, the yeah. Okay. So yeah. it wasn't really a weird band. This one was more of a commercialized punk band. Like, like, like we were female fronted. Uh, we had a very lunatics vibe. Um, I even sang backup vocals. <laughs> I played bass in that one, and uh, yeah, those that was it was a band called Up from Crash, and it was uh, more very very pop punk pop, very very pop like popcorn pop. <laughs> but it was fun. We we had a good time, and uh, we played a lot of Penny Arcade shows. Penny Arcade being the the lake uh, the lake you know by the lake, and they did a lot more commercialized stuff. You know, like you'd have like your. Um, your mainstream like metal bands and things like that. We opened for almost every cover band that came through this town. We opened for the the Judas Priest band that came through, the Metallica band that came through, one of one of the Ozzy cover bands. You know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the Blizzard of Oz, but it was one of those ones along that era. Um, Kiss, I think Kiss. I think we opened for Kiss Army at some point. I mean, yeah, it was, and it. it the funny thing was, is that we had a really good following from those cover bands. It was bizarre. I don't know. I, but then when we played like downtown, like nobody would come see us. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I've never been like from having book shows, obviously I've never really been involved in the cover band aspect, but now that I see like, now that the, the whole emo thing is like 20 years old. Now people are doing like emo DJ nights and stuff. Like I imagine but when I'm going with that, it's like, I imagine a cover band night got to be pretty successful because sure people flock to that shit. I don't even but know why, but they do, you know, it's, it's, it sells. Yeah. You know, there's, those songs are popular. It sells to people who really don't live music. You know what I mean? It's people who like music, who buy music, who, you know, appreciate the, I don't know how, how, how to really, I'm trying to come up with the words I want to think for it. It's like, it's, it's candy. It's, 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 you know, they're, they're just buying it. It's just a commodity to them. You know, it's not, it's not a lifestyle. It's not, it's not a feeling. It's not anything like that. It's more of a, a commodity. They're literally purchasing that sound. And so if they have a band playing that plays the songs that they like, they're going to go see it. And normally they're over 21 and they buy a lot of alcohol. So these bars book these bands because they draw those kind of crowds that are going to sell the liquor. You know, not that's the way too, it's always been. Not to get too off track, I forget what it's, I listened to a lot of rap podcasts, and I was listening to one with some like rap CEO or book guy who booked a rap tour, and he was talking about how 
like the cover bands, like you're talking about them, them coming in and selling a lot of booze. Like some of these cover bands, I don't know if it's still like this, but back then they would get a percentage. Like not only would they have a guarantee oh. for the door, but they would get a percentage of the, the bar sales. That yeah. Too, oh, no. yeah, that's, so that, that absolutely did happen. Yeah. Yeah. That absolutely did happen. That's just crazy um, to think about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, the, obviously with our scene, it didn't really happen that way because you, you, we don't pull in enough people. And a lot of times it was like, there was a lot of straight edge kids at those shows. So yeah, <laughs> they're not buying liquor. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I, I, that's where I booked a lot of my shows towards the end. For the, especially the bigger shows at the Penny Arcade, and he would always get so annoyed because like the kids weren't buying. Well, he's buying, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, you're still gonna get like a lot of. I don't know. That's a that's a tangent thing too, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So we can talk. We can talk more about the Penny Arcade when we get in the Fall Guy because we did play yeah. there a lot. Well, the later was, version, not the original version, yeah. the later versions. Yeah. Well, that's where I was going next. Obviously, too was was Fall Guy. So was and I, and I guess like a question to kind of bridge the gap too was were you doing like music like consistently the whole time like or was there ever a period where you stopped and didn't really play music for a while i did i did some radio i did i did do radio with uh the original manager of um moment of truth jeremy slate he and i did radio during the moment of truth years the original uh we did uh, we did southern to sudden death overtime which is still on i guess and it's, it was an rit radio show with the uh, rochester institute technology for people who don't know that's the big that's the big tech school tech college here in rochester um there there are equivalent of like mit um and they had a radio they have a radio station witr and uh, we did sudden death overtime but back then sudden death overtime was literally overtime it was from 11 o'clock at night on a saturday till 7 a.m on a sunday and we were followed by the gospel people yeah and we played the heaviest loudest most ridiculous stuff possible to be as offensive as possible to people who were getting up to play that <laughs> to, to the gospel in the morning. And we kind of did it on purpose towards the end there. <laughs> and it was fun. And, you know, we follow, we followed a DJ set. Um, so it was like EDM kind of dance music, whatever, before we got, you know, and then, then, then it was us for eight hours. And then it was <laughs> the, the next shift, which was Jesus, you know, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's crazy. But um Oh, and then later on, I'm sorry. That, that, anyway, I was gonna get what I was gonna get to is that we, we had done that during Moment of Truth. So in between, in between the the one of the last bands I was in and actually getting into Fall Guy, uh, Jeremy and I, and even even while I was in Fall Guy for a little while, um, Jeremy and I did something called Hardside Radio, which was basically a podcast more or less, but it was before there was podcasts. You know, it was it was before the podcasting really took off. So it was internet radio or basically internet radio. And we did, you know, we play a lot of music that we liked and we did a lot of talking about stuff that we liked, you know. And then now I think, I don't know if my timelines right. I feel like fall guy was like late nineties, early two thousands. I, uh, I joined uh, fall guy was around. I don't remember exactly when they started. It was only like, it wasn't long before I joined the band. Right. Uh, I was, I was told I was playing in fall guy in 2004 I uh, was not asked to join. Yeah. I was told I was playing bass in Fall Guy by Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and because at, at the time, Ryan McDonald was playing bass. Uh, Cliff Dean was singing. Ellie Schill was playing guitar. And Jim was playing drums. So what they wanted to do is Ryan wanted to go over and play lead guitar. So they needed a bass player spot. And Jim insisted that I played. And I was like, yeah, sure. I got nothing else going on, right? Yeah, whatever. 
Uh, at the time, I really wasn't doing anything between this was between up from crash and the early like so up from crash. I was done with like around 2001. So for like three years, I was a, really wasn't doing much. Right. Um, I goof around with some friends every once in a while, but that was about it. nothing serious. Just 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 goofing around. Um, so I, you know, I joined Fall Guy, and uh, the first the first few years were great. You know. Uh, was hilarious as, you know, I was literally, Jim and I had obviously resolved all our, all our differences <laughs> at that point. Uh, meeting Cliff and Allie were, they were like the two coolest people that I've ever met. And they still are. They're still, I, lo- I love those guys so much. They're man- obviously they're married, married couple. Um, and, you know, it, I used to make fun of Cliff a lot cause he's a vegan. Uh, and, and, you know, he didn't drink. He's straight edge. You know, it was so it was like easy target. He's still like the nicest guy you'll ever meet. He really is. And I still just like the bust his balls a lot, but he's still he's still one of my best friends today. Um, and it's funny because we still get together every once in a while. The four of us would be Jim, Cliff, Alley, and me, and we'll take a picture. And we have like years of the same picture <laughs> going down the years, and it's always the the the, the four fall guy dudes. Because yeah. Ryan, Ryan's Ryan did his own thing uh, afterwards. I feel like he kind of he stabbed me in the back. I'm not going to pull punches. He stabbed me in the back, but whatever. <laughs> I have. We'll get to that story. Um, not because I'm not going to slam the guy. He did. He did what he yeah. did because he felt like he needed to do it. So yeah. it is what it is. Um, I was in Fall Guy longer than I should have been. Uh, at that point, um, Jim had moved to California. We got uh, Brian Callahan on drums. I don't know if you know who Brian Callahan was. Is he was he used to play drums in uh, Something Sacred? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I know who that is. That's I, knew, I, I knew you knew. I knew you knew character who was. too. Yeah. Eh, interesting guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's what. So the, the, oddly enough, the funny thing is, he was working at my work, and we like were outside one day and just shooting the shit about whatever, and. Um, he was like, yeah, yeah, I used to play in something sacred. And I know Aiden, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, I, I didn't recognize the dude. I didn't, you know, I didn't really know him. Yeah. And at that time we were, you know, Jim had moved and we were, we were, we had been looking for some kind of drummer. Yeah. I think we had, you know, uh, no luck at all. Ryan and I were ready to just throw it all in and Cliff and Allie were, you know, they were still wanting to do it. So you know, we, we, we trudged forward. We ended up getting Brian. We tried him out and he was great. He really was He's a good drummer. I ain't going to lie. Yeah. The guy, a really solid drummer. And he recorded that, you know, he, well, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. So he played a bunch of shows with us. Ryan um, got really hammered at a show once. At, and and I think I think we were all kind of tired of it at that time, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think Cliff and Allie were just done. And so they bailed, you know, and I don't blame them, you know, because it was, it was a tough time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, substance abuse is never a, a good thing to deal with when you're in a band. Yeah. Um, and I'd be a hypocrite to say that I didn't have my own demons at one time or another, you know. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, so we ended up, uh, they left. We stuck it out. We found uh, Charlie Street to play guitar. Uh, Charlie was uh, the guitarist for Within at the time. Um, you may know him now as being in uh, Burn Everything and, and all these other bands yeah. now. Uh, he's in Charmer now, I believe. Um, so he's a great guitar player. Uh, so we took him on and we got Matt Dalberth to sing. And everybody knows who Matt Dalberth is. Yeah. Okay. He was in 40 Ounce 
whatever, 40 ounce failure, whatever the whole name was. So everybody thought we were going to turn into like uh, the next Limp Biscuit at that point, uh, which was funny. You know, we, people busted our balls for it. It, it was funny. But you know what? It was, it was fun. We, we ended up recording a, a record with that lineup. Um, and then uh, on our CD release show that, you know, okay, I keep getting ahead of myself. Jeremy, who I did radio with back in the day, he and I decided to start our own label, Hardside Records, right? After the Hardside Radio show. So we started doing, uh, we started getting stuff together and we put some money together and we decided to put out the Fall Guy uh, CD. So we put out, you know, we, done, we put our money into it and we, we bought <laughs> way more CDs than we should have. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we, 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 we were really just anxious to just get something going. So we did. We, we put this together. The recording came out great. We got Lon Hackett, who uh, everybody knows from Sulaco, you know, uh, he, he recorded it for us in our own practice space. We put the CD out. <clears throat> we were going to do a CD release show. We had STEM headlining. I don't know if you remember STEM, oh, yeah. which was TJ Frost's band who used to sing for Baphomet. He's in the elite now. Um, and uh <laughs> About five minutes before we were supposed to go on stage, Brian quits. <laughs> he quits the band. Him and Charlie got into a little thing because Brian uh, partied too much the night before. Couldn't, didn't want to do it. Uh, yeah, so Charlie flipped out on him. Brian quit, left, and we were stuck. So long story short, we got the guy from the drummer for STEM decided to learn in his truck in a matter of like 15 minutes, learned like three of our songs. <laughs> and he struggled through them, but we did it and we did something. We got up there and played something. So here we are looking for a drummer again, <laughs> right? Then we go and look and look and look. We had like Nate Ranaletta sit in for a little while. He was in uh, Day Without Rain at the time. Um, uh, then we finally got uh, a hold of Bug House's old drummer, Tony Castronova, the one that Jim actually replaced in bug house um he came this which was really like full circle for him uh he came along and we did really we really liked the way he sounded they we, you know we, we pounded out a bunch more shows you know this was probably about a year into it uh with tony and then uh next thing i know i'm no longer in the band <laughs> i'm no longer in the band i'm stuck on all these cds and you know whatever but to be fair, I've actually made my money back from that, but it's been, it's taken a good 10 years to do. Yeah. Um, I did make my money back off all that. Um, so it's uh, now I'm really leery about ever investing in something like that again. But uh, I see a lot of talk online, you know, people shooting their mouth off about that time still, which is a little weird because I, mean, I don't care. It doesn't really bother me. Uh, I, I did it. I did what I did because it was a good business decision i wanted to do something different i was tired of seeing the same labels put out the same crap all the time so it was just like i wanted to do something a little different I wanted to put, so i put out the fall guy things and we had other bands lined up but it was all dependent on that first cd doing well but when you don't have a band to back that cd it's not going to do well <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, so then they, they they just became burn everything and the next thing i know i was just collecting my stuff from the practice space and uh, off to the next venture or whatever, you know. Oh, that was pretty much. So that's, 
that was pretty much the same, like not the same band because you weren't in it, but that's what Burn Everything was. I never realized that. Sure. Yeah, yeah the, the original uh, the original iteration of that band. Is that right word? Iteration? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. The original version of that band was basically Fall Guy 3.0 or 10.0 or whatever the hell it was at that point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. So, yeah. And uh, so, yeah. But you know, I have no hard feelings on any of those guys. Really, I don't really care. I, I mean, I'm not going to do anything with them. I mean, if they were to call me, I'd just tell them, yeah, whatever. But like, I've been to like a charmer practice and saw Charlie. I have no hard, no hard feelings against him. And I've seen Matt out and about. I mean, I don't really care to be around him, but I don't really care not to either. It's just I don't care. Period. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan, eh, he kind of he kind of made me mad because you know he was my boy. You know, I really stuck by him through his, all his trials and tribulations and he's gotten you know in his own little issues now but who cares but it's not my thing anymore <laughs> i don't i don't have any i have no grudges there's no point yeah. they always say that holding a grudge is like drinking poison to kill somebody else or something like that i yeah, so yeah waiting for I mean, if i'm not gonna if it only took six years to get over my grudge with jim uh so <laughs> And uh, Fall Guy's been uh, defunct for uh, 14 now, so I, I'm pretty much over it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there weren't any hard feelings with you and Jim going back in a moment of truth, then I guess was there? I don't. I don't no, I not at all. Absolutely not. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, we when it came down to it, we were already at this point where yeah, Jim's Jim is the best friend I've ever had, really. But now I've had friends longer than him, but he's always been the consistent friend. You know what I mean? He's the hardest personality I've ever had to deal with. <laughs> which I think is why we're such good friends because we are a perfect balance. You know, he's such a hard head and I'm very easygoing for the most part. I mean, I'm stubborn on my own, but not to the, not to the Jim Callahan extreme. (laughs) Another hard head in the band now too, but that's another story for another day. Uh... Oh, oh, don't even get me started on him. It's (laughs) I'll be telling you something. I wasn't kidding when I wrote what I wrote to you. (laughs) Yeah. No, I love him. I love him though. It's my boy. Uh, Dave, Dave, Dave's a lot of fun. He and, and you know what? It's okay. So we might as well start talking about the new moment of truth at yeah. this point, I guess, right? Where, yeah. Is that where we're on this timeline? Yeah, definitely. Let me think. Oh, I just want to. Yeah, yeah. Current moment of truth. I'm just making sure that I'm, you didn't plant any bands in between or anything. Nah, like nothing, nothing between Fall Guy and Moment of yeah. Truth, really. There was a, you know, like I said, I've always kind of goofed around with stuff, but I never. I mean, I was okay. If the closest thing I could say I did musically at that at in between was probably. Uh, the original Isotopes album, the first album, they had the theme song. I was the other Isotope in that theme song. <laughs> I was the other voice in that theme song. So I, and they had me written down as Max Power. So I was the original Max Power, even though there's more Max Powers along the way. Yeah. I don't know what version of Max Power they're on now, but I was the original Max Power in the Isotopes. So that's, I guess, a little claim to fame there. <laughs> a little local trivia too, I guess, too, right? I suppose so, yeah. So. Um, if, if anybody cares for local trivia. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, what, what brought the band back together? I, I feel like if, if I remember from Jim telling me it was uh, there was a benefit show you guys were going to, we're talking about playing and then the band just yeah, kind of well, came back together from there. I guess we had always kind of teased it, you know yeah. I mean? So many years. Cause you know, Nate was like, he kind of, he kind of brought it up once and Jay brought it up a few times, but then this big benefit came around and they were doing this, like a, the smash cancer benefit thing. It was uh a big thing that because Jay's uh, Jay's wife ended up had, she had breast cancer so uh, not to be all you know HIPAA or whatever but um, I think it's pretty well known at this point um, so Jay threw this huge benefit and he had you know Marauder and Sworn Enemy on the bill 
and a bunch of other bands. Like I think one of Eddie Leeway's bands uh, was on the bill, if I, as I recall correctly. Um, it's been a while. <laughs> my, my, my memory is not as good as it used to be. Uh, but it was a good show. We, we, we got together because of that. He said, Jay was like, hey, can we do the show? Can we get together and do the show? And we're like, sure. It was in Brooklyn at the Brooklyn Bazaar at the time. I don't know what it's called now, but it's, it's no longer the Brooklyn Bazaar. Um, so we, we, uh, we got to, we get, Nate flew in. We learned some songs. We got uh, Eric Burke, who has always been our like stand-in guy or fill-in guy whenever somebody couldn't be in the show. So we needed another guitar player as a fill-in. So he's always like the unofficial sixth member of Moment of Truth, no matter what. And he still is one of the greatest guys in the world. And he's one of my best friends. And uh, he, he, he decided, you know, we asked him if he could be in the thing too, because Chris Vanderwater couldn't do it. So we needed a fifth. We got Eric Burke. We all got together. Nate flew into practice. We practiced a few times that uh, me and Eric got together a lot with Jim and played through the first demo, you know, to learn those songs. And we did, you know, obviously we do sick people by breakdown. We still, still do that. Um, but that was so that we ended up choosing that as the cover. And uh, we played that show and it was uh, phenomenal. We had a great time doing it. And uh, I remember one of the last practices, uh, I was sitting there with Burke and me and Burke were playing to, because Jim couldn't make it. Um, we were playing to the, seed, the, 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 the tape. We're playing to the old, the old tape and, Jim, and Eric's like, yeah, let's do this. I mean, like, what do you mean? We're going to play the show. He's like, no, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's do Moment of Truth again. And we were like, okay, I'm good with that. And then we, you know, talked to everybody else. And that's pretty much, it was Eric that called the shots. It was bizarre that he was the one that decided to make it permanent, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, we all decided to, uh, even after the Brooklyn Bazaar, keep going, keep doing it. And um, so then we played the hometown show with Burn, And uh, that was a fantastic show. And a few other shows, we did some shows, we did a show out of town, Scranton, we went back down to Brooklyn. We, you know, we've played a few other shows and then uh, Eric decided he couldn't really do it anymore because he's just got so much going on between Nuclear Salt and Sulaco and he was doing blurring and, you know, God, probably 15 other projects. I mean, the guy's busy. He's probably one of the busiest guys in Rochester. He's, he's like, he's like the Rob Filardo of guitar players. <laughs> and Rob Filardo, if anybody doesn't know, is the drummer in every single band in Rochester at one time. <laughs> Yeah, 97, he was like, you could literally fill up a show at the bug jar and have him play drums for all the bands. It's crazy. Sure. Absolutely. Anyways. Um, so, so yeah, so, so Eric stepped, stepped down, but he's still part of the band. We decided he's always going to be the temp. He said he's going to go back to being the sub. If we ever need him, just call him that kind of thing. So we, we looked around for another guitar player and uh, lo and behold, we came up with uh, sketchy Dave, <laughs> sketchy Dave from, yeah, from the he's he used to be in Dawn of War and uh, Borrowed Time and few. I mean, he's been in a lot of things on the ropes. Um, so he's got a he's got a and he's an interesting character. He really is an interesting character. Uh, yeah, I never. It's funny because I never really knew. I mean, I knew him, but I didn't know him like as close. Obviously, not as close as I know him now. You know, I mean, I spend more time with him and Jim than I do any other anybody else I know really besides my own family. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, uh, I, I got to learn it's, it's a very, uh, 
interesting time at practice when you got two people who can't shut up <laughs> in the band. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I always look forward to getting a phone call from Sketchy, but I always know to set aside like 30 to 45 minutes in the event that I am able to answer the call if I don't have a, a screaming toddler in front of me at that time or whatever. Right, you know? right. Well, like I told you, I said, imagine being in a band with with Dave, with Dave Palermo and Jim Callahan. Now imagine it's probably 10 times worse. <laughs> yeah. Love you both. Love, love, love both you guys. So, Absolutely. You Two know. of my best friends. I love them both, but man, can they talk? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I think some of them are pretty obvious, but like, what are some of the major differences like playing the moment of truth now versus like 30 years ago? You know, I want to, uh, well, let me see. I think back then, You know, honest to God, it was probably easier to just, I want to, I want to say it was easier to get asked to play shows and get, get, get booked on different shows with bigger bands. And now it's like, you really kind of got to work towards it, I guess. I don't know how to explain that. And it was like, we, we have more of enough name recognition now. Um, I don't know. It just seems like it was, it was, it was, it should be easier now with the internet. You know what I mean? It, Cause really, if we would have had the internet back then, uh, oh God, it would have been crazy being able to put the scene together the way we did. You know, and we did everything. People don't realize we did everything DIY. Like even Jim now he's mailing out flyers to, yeah, he's, he's mailing flyers to, to, to radio stations and, and uh, like uh, record stores. You know, it's that stuff we did back in, when we were teens, you know, where we'd spend like three days building, cutting and pasting a flyer with like pieces of other flyers, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's and now, and now we have, you know, Photoshop and paint. Well, I was going to say page maker and date myself a little bit there, but it's like, in effect, it, it, you think it's, what, it's in design now or whatever <laughs> that replaced that. I can't remember, but you know, yeah. Doing, doing stuff later on was a little easier. I guess that's part of it. So promotion wise, I guess it's a little easier now in a way, but it's, doesn't it feels oh, a little empty you know what i mean like there was a lot more heart back then i guess you could say like a lot, a lot of people were just more into it whereas now i feel like people pay attention to a lot of the politics and not so much the music you know what i mean yeah it, we're very this is a very divided society now very oh, yeah. divided yeah uh, it's and it's you know you think that over years you become more unified but it's taken the worst turns. I mean, yeah. God, it's become so polarized in every everywhere. Everything's political. Yeah, it's not nothing's fun anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Social media really took the fun out of a lot of stuff. I, I had been oh. off of it for like ten years, and I got back on during COVID, and now I do this podcast, so I keep up with it that way. And yeah, I I, I do very. I mean, I post things occasionally on Instagram, Facebook, but it's very rare. Yeah, you know I mean, I'm not, and I don't, I'm not a twat, Twitter, whatever. I don't tweet. <laughs> yeah. I don't tweet. I don't tweet. Uh, yeah, I don't believe any of the crowd. And I certainly don't TikTok. I'm sorry. I had yeah. this conversation with Jason, you know, about TikTok. I told him, I was like, you know, whatever. I know there's guys our age that do it, but I just don't feel comfortable because I feel like that's a very much, that's very much a younger person's thing. And I, you know, it, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable with it. <laughs> I haven't used it yet either. It's crazy that people can make like a living off of something like that, though. Like, I, I know. That's crazy. insane. We're making stupid people famous all the time. 
All right. So yeah, when I interviewed Jim, that was like, like I said, almost two years ago. So I feel like the full length had pretty much just dropped. Uh, yeah. I guess you could still kind of call it the new full length with the way everything's <laughs> been with COVID. Yeah. Um, COVID, COVID really hit us hard. It really yeah. like kicked us in the ass because it was like, ah, uh, we had all this stuff done. And then the release was in May and COVID hit in March. You know what I mean? It was like, how are you supposed to support a, a, a record where you can't play? You can't, you can't do anything to support yeah. it. There's no place to play. Everything was shut down. Literally everything went in lockdown. And so it was like, I feel like it was a forgotten album, but it's a great, it's probably one of some of the best stuff we ever wrote, you know? And um, yeah. I don't know. It was really, it's really disappointing that it happened that way, but I mean, obviously we still push it all we can because it's, uh, we all really are very happy with how that album came out, you know? Yeah, I like it a lot. And it's it's cool to, to hear the newer recording of uh, No More Pain, too. So yeah. uh, a classic uh, moment of trip, song, yeah. obviously. So. <laughs> the funny thing is, is it's like it's like one of our shortest songs and <laughs> it's like the most popular. Yeah, I forget. Oh, one of Jim's bands covered it or whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, Shotokan. Yeah, yeah. Shotokan. They played it in Buffalo even at like, uh, they. I don't Well, the show we... We can't really talk about too much because of the antics that night were pretty notorious, but they played it at a show in Buffalo. And when they covered it, even like a few old Buffalo dudes were, were like singing along. And I was just like, right. damn, like you guys, people know, you know what I mean? That's crazy. So it's, it's, it's cool when that happens. Like I never, I, you know, cause like I said, even after I left the, every night after I, well, I shouldn't say I left even after I got fired. <laughs> Thanks Jim. Uh, so even after, <laughs> even after, even after all that, uh, I, I remember going to a basement show in Buffalo with uh, Paul Paramico um, and uh, some kid came up to me. He's like, Hey, uh, weren't you the bass player for moment of truth? And I'm like, dude, are you even old enough to remember that band? I mean, I'm honest to God, he was like a young kid. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, dude, I was like, I was like, it blew me away that to, to have that happen. And it's happened a couple of times since, but it's, it's, it's bizarre to, to feel like anybody would even recognize me because I don't feel recognizable. You know what I mean? at all i feel like a lot of people know me and a lot of people you know i have a lot of friends a lot of acquaintances but i don't feel recognizable like i, I feel like i've never really done anything worthy of being recognized you know what i mean even though maybe i have i have no idea i know people have told me that like our, our music's influenced them like obviously the band donna war we were a big influence on those guys which is oddly enough that and now we got dave in the band you know yeah. <laughs> but uh, to, to hear stuff like that it's 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 humbling you know what i mean it, it, it really is because it's like wow it's like cool thanks man i appreciate it you know well, you guys definitely had a, a legacy for rochester i mean like i like going back to what i said in the early, very early part of our conversation you, this was the first rochester hardcore show i ever went to i mean like granted obviously andy was playing bass by then but still it was moment of truth and i can't remember all the bands but i know tour book and gathering ground were on the show too and you know it was like probably like a regional type thing or whatever but it's just crazy that there's probably a lot of other kids that back then that moment of truth would have been their first show and now you know like you're saying with covid playing shows has been kind of tough but even now there could be kids that this show we're gonna be talking about in a second could be their first show and you know so it's crazy to think about that i remember i remember going to a moment of truth show with, with jeff playing bass and uh it was surreal for me it was a surreal moment because it was only about maybe a year after my out uh we went i think is that i think it was at the abyss or one of them, one of those places, but it was all like, and I've seen pictures of that show. And I'm like, I don't know. It just, it seemed so weird. It felt like I was standing outside of myself. You know what I mean? Cause like, I should have been up there, 
but it wasn't me. It was somebody else doing what I did, you know? So it was a little, and it really was disheartening in some ways because it, 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 you know, I know, I know I can attribute a lot to that with uh, misunderstandings. Like I said, it was hard to, it was hard to be in a band when your dad just passed away. And even though me and my father didn't get along great, he was still my dad. It still hurt like hell when he died. And even to this day, it's sometimes I, you know, it still hurts. And it was, that was 93. And here we are, 2022, you know, <laughs> it never really, the, the, the pain never goes away. And the, the actions of your friends at the time, really, it really hit, it really hurt, you know, but uh, I don't know. I don't hold it against any of them. You know, I, I went to Nate's wedding in, in Denver. Chris Vanderwater was there. We saw each other. We got, we, we you know, we, we hadn't seen each other since Jim's wedding, you know, <laughs> which was like forever ago. Yeah. And, and uh, it was great seeing him. We, it was like nothing, no time had ever passed. You know, it, it, that's how, you know, it was your real friend. You know what I mean? Because that time never passed. Chris and I have been playing. We played together since 1990. Yeah. 1990. Um, Jim and I have been in bands together on and off for over 30 years, 30 something years. Uh, those are my friends. You know what I mean? Uh, Nate, Nate came later, but he's still, I got more than 30 years with him too, you know, and Jason, you know, Jason left the band in 92 to join the military. But if you were to see him now, he's still that 16 year old kid that got up there and belted his brains out when he sang and, and, and the energy he brings, it, it really helps make it all worthwhile, you know, and plus it's, it's, it's Jay, he's goofball. You know, he's, he's great to be around. He's, he's hilarious. He's a ball buster. You know, I don't, I don't get into the whole military industrial complex myself because I, I don't believe in a lot of that stuff. I'm kind of a pacifist, I guess you could say now, but it is what it is. And it's made him a, he's a, he's a, he's a really strong person and he's a really, he's a good guy. He's got your back and he'll probably take a bullet for you. And he probably already has at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really for the military, but I'm I understand the need for it. And I'm thankful for people like him that make it easier for people like you and I not to have to to worry about uh, any potential of anything with that, really. You know, but so. it blows me. It, it kind of blows me away that he's even in this band because that's Command Sergeant Major Jason Matthew Zeller of the Fighting 69th. He is like. I, I always call him Sergeant America. He really is. That, you don't get any higher than that until you hit the uh, sergeant major of the army. I mean, that's the next step. That's the highest. Dude. He's the next highest guy in the military. And he sings hardcore in hardcore band in Rochester. Yeah, that's really, <laughs> that's really crazy. I, 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 I guess his name is Sarge. I should have realized, but I guess I never realized he was that high up. That's like something out of like a He's the guy. He's like the second highest sergeant, sergeant major you can be. The only one, there's only one guy higher than him. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's crazy. Real crazy. And, and who knows? Maybe someday that'll be him. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. So now when you guys uh, practice, I'm guessing you just keep it local with like you and Jim and, and Dave. Like how, like, who yeah. plays, I guess who plays when you guys play live? Because I know Nathan can't really make it out from, from Colorado well, for shows, right? Or Oh, well, he does. Does he? He flies. He flies in. Yeah. If it's a big enough show, because it, it can't, it, it's not going to come for a local show, obviously. Right. You know, like when we played 
Well, I guess that really wasn't even a moment. That was uh, we did on the ropes. Anyway, I'll get into that in a minute too because I yeah. forgot about I forgot to mention on the ropes too. Oh yeah. Um, so what what normally happens is it'll it'll Jay will come up, and the four of us are always definitely on the bill. <clears throat> we can have Eric if he wants to if he can be able to do it. So we have five, however we want to do it. But it's always me, Jim, and Dave, and Jason singing. Um, we've had Nate come in for bigger shows, like when we played like with the Murder Junkies, which should have been a bigger show than it was, but we didn't know that they had literally booked the night before in Buffalo. So how many people are you going to come to see the Murder Junkies play in Rochester if they've already seen them in Buffalo the night before? So that was part of that. That was That was some issues with that uh and he's also come up for uh, a few others I'm trying to think of other ones he was there with the, the original the, the obviously the the burn show and the the one we played with marauder and sword enemy they're the first one the book book and bizarre he came up for those he's coming up for the mad ball show um so it's it's with nate it's like if, if it's if we can if, he, if he's able to come and it's not so expensive for him to fly. Like if he can get a good deal on a ticket, he'll come, he'll play. Otherwise, you know, he, he, he's willing to just say, you know, have fun guys. I wish I could be there. And that's cool. You know, we're, we're good with that. And we, you know, because we have a backup plan or if, even if we don't, we've played it as a four piece before, you know, we're, that's not, that's not an issue. So that's, that's how we work with Nate. Uh, but the, but the main writing, Nate sends some riffs uh, to us when he can uh dave me and jim do most of the, the hard the, the writing uh burke wrote soulless life with us it was actually i can't give i jim always gives full props to eric but i gotta give full props to jim because jim literally was said at a practice eric can you play da 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 and eric turned it into soulless life <laughs> so it was jim and eric kind of both <laughs> I think that's one of the songs that I played. I don't play music with the guests on here as much anymore because well, that's a long subject too, but I feel like it's, it makes the conversation better when I just keep it as a conversation. But um, I, I think that was one of the songs that I played for moment of truth when I interviewed Jim. Yeah. Initially, was, that's a great song. I love that yeah. song. I, I love playing it. It's interesting. The, 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 the way, we, you know, cause it's different than anything we've ever written before. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, it's Eric Burke. You can tell it's his, yeah. his hands are all over it. You can just totally tell that he had something to do with it. <clears throat> we both kind of mentioned it a little bit. Let's kind of get into the Madball show a little bit. Uh, those guys haven't played here in a while, so that should be pretty cool. Uh, how did that all come about, though? We just reached out to the guy at Water Street and said, hey, uh, you're looking for an opener? You're looking for a local opener? He goes, yeah, what's your draw? Send me an EP, you know, an electronic publishing kit, EPAK, whatever, PK, whatever. So I sent him all of our stuff. And he's like, sure. Cool. He's like, you got anybody else to put on the bill? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, I gave him a list of few names and none of them panned out. I think we gave him the weight we carry, but because they're playing with ringworm, yeah. they decided, you know, they can't do it, but they can't do yeah. both. As of now, it's just moment of truth to take and uh mad ball. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting for it to be a three band bill, but that's a weeknight though. Right. So that yeah, it's a Thursday, it's a Thursday night, yeah. which is, you know, it's, it, and it's, 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 it's going to be a relatively early show. It's not going to go real late. Yeah. So I'm happy about that being 50, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Nate's like I said, Nate's coming up for that. Jay's going to be here. So it, it's going to be a good time. We have fun when, whenever, when, especially when Nate's in town, it's, it's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, like I said, Mabel, I, don't, I think I was here the last time Mabel played her. I, the last time I saw him was the brew house. Uh, I missed I missed him. Uh, the last I'm going to tell you when the last time I saw Madball was was when I went to the Czech Republic with Danny and Heather Lilker to because to, I was going over there with nuclear salt and uh, to hang with those guys and take pictures and just hang out and have go on vacation with them. And that was that was amazing, by the way, well, probably the most amazing time I've ever had at a show. Yeah. But we were while we were there. Uh, Heather goes to me. She's like, hey, you want to go see Madball play at a skate park while we're in the Czech Republic in, in Prague? And I'm like, hell yes, yeah. <laughs> of course I do. So yeah. we get there and we're hanging out with them uh, backstage. And um, I mean, it's legal here now, but you know, I, I imbibed with Danny and Hoya and we were smoking out of a, an apple. <laughs> <laughs> I have a picture of it on my Instagram. <laughs> but, yeah. And uh so yeah, that was a blast, and we got, you know, I got to I got to know the guys there, and uh, I'm really stoked to to play with them on the 10th. The energy of that skate park at European. Let me tell you something, man. There is no place in the United States that has the kind of energy that you see in Europe. It is insane. It was like, I don't know, a field of people, and I was just so blown away. I was so glad. That I got to experience that in my lifetime. I think I do have, I think I actually have pictures of that on my Instagram too, of when I was, because I'm, I'm sitting there and I got pictures of Freddie singing to this sea of people. You yeah. know what I mean? And the, the, everybody's just going nuts. It, it's just crazy. Yeah. So, so I was there. Yeah. But, but I was there to, to, to go with Nuclear Assault to see, uh, to the Obscene Extreme. Um, they were one of the, the big bands on the, on the bill for that whole weekend. And it was, that was a lot of fun. I, I got to, I give so much thanks to Heather and Danny for taking me along. Uh, it was cool hanging out with the guys at Nuke, hanging out with Eric Burke. I said, you know what was awesome is I was there with like two of my closest friends in Europe. And I felt like my 17 year old self was like beyond, you know, just, it was like giddy because Nuclear Assault was one of my favorite bands growing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like one of my favorite thrash bands of the era, you know, crazy. That, crazy. Was, that, was that a festival you were at with them for that in the Czech Republic or? Yeah, yeah, it was. We were at the. We were going to because they were playing the uh, obscene, obscene extreme. Oh, okay. And so while we were there, we saw Madball play at the skate park. Yeah. Uh, while we were there, it was it was insane. Did you just go over with Nuke for the for the one thing in Czech Republic, or were you there for like a little while? And, and oh, we were there for like eleven days. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, I got to, I got to go to really some cool places. I got to go to the Sedlik Ossuary, which is the church that's built. It's like all made of bones. Oh wow. It was crazy. Yeah. It was so crazy. I got so many cool pictures of that. Like I said, if you go back like to 2017, my Instagram feed, there are so many cool pictures I took from that show. I got to, uh, and, and I got to like get some, hear some music that I, because I'm a, I'm a, I'm kind of a grindcore fan, but I'm not like huge into it. Like Obscene Extreme is pretty much almost all grindcore bands, but like uh, Discharge played that night. And, you know, uh, what's their name there? I, infest played and uh you know all these other bands are just so great so i saw full of hell i had never seen these guys before and i know they played rochester that i got seen them on a flyer and they're from new york city or, or that area i think so they played i think they played about five notes and i was like their biggest fan crazy crazy grindcore and amazing absolutely amazing so those guys were a lot of fun i got some good pictures of them uh, you know, I got good pictures of Discharge because I was like, you know, it's Discharge. <laughs> they're, they're classic. You can't really go wrong with that. 
and uh the whole power violence thing was fun you know <laughs> yeah that's crazy i've always wanted to go to europe for one of those big ass festivals like that because like you were i saying, recommend it like you were saying <laughs> before recommend the european it. people they do it right like you always hear about european well not european well yeah european bands i'm guessing too but like american bands going over there and touring and just it's insane treatment, it's know? completely yeah. insane yeah i don't i don't uh, know why you don't get as like the the u.s doesn't treat the hardcore as as well or we don't get the same kind of stuff here I, but i mean i think we take it for granted honestly yeah. we do um i know that because it's like oh they're still they're, they're around they'll, they'll come like it's it's like a local thing too you know it was like with the local bands like we play we play what four times a year maybe if we're lucky <laughs> you know because it's hard to it's hard to get our schedules to where we can actually play a show which is why i was so stoked that we actually got this did, ended up playing with the madball show because you know we don't get offers like this very often. I mean, we played with Nuke last year, the nuclear show or nuclear assault show uh, at uh, Photo City, and that was a blast. You know, and we didn't expect people to really know much about us because it was a lot of you know people going to see nuclear assault, not really to see. But I tell you what, I sold a ton of records that night. I sold a ton of records, ton of shirts. We made a ton of money off merch. It was great. I was I was really stoked that that really made me happy to see faces i've never seen before enjoying our music you know what I mean? like and that's it, what it's all about for me you know it seems like the merchandise and stuff does better at metal shows for some reason too like again i don't play in bands but just from what i've heard from listening to podcasts yeah. and talking to other musicians it seems like and that could metal, be the metal community especially over here just buys more stuff i don't i could be wrong on that but it's see that's from what i've heard anyway so yeah but and that's and that's see that's the thing that's who i want to play for i want to play for somebody who's never seen us before I, I love that we have people that keep coming to see us play. My own family comes to see us play all the time. You know, I mean, my, my sister's always been a big fan and, you know, my, my future wife, I even, my, even my, my future stepdaughter came to one of our shows where we play. Actually, I think she came to the, oh, the shoot. I forgot what the name of the show it was. It was uh, one of the ones that rot in UK. You know, James's band. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those ones and he came and she, I think it was his birthday show actually. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, so she came to that and she, she thought it was kind of fun. You know, it's those, and I, and, and when we played Brooklyn Bazaar, there were so many like 15 year olds there and 16 year olds. And to me, that's like, wow, cool. I'm, and I'm watching them dance to our music. And I'm like, yes, that's what I want to see because that's, that's the scene. That's going to be the next scene. You want those kids at your show. Because they're new blood. You want new blood. You don't want to keep playing for the same old guys over and over again. Because you know what? They're dying. Yeah. Okay. I'm 50 years old. I'm 50 years old. I'm. You know, it, my generation is dying out. You want that new blood. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. We've talked about that on here before because, and I think it was even on my last episode. I was talking to a dude from Syracuse about this because it's like they're more all ages and like the scene yeah. here. I don't know what Photo City does, and, and they might be one of those places where they, it's not, not advertised, but it. It's like, it's not advertised, but they do have uh, they they were cool about letting people in that were yeah. as long as they show you know ID or if they're yeah. with somebody, you know what I mean? yeah. Because like most of the shows that I've been to in other venues in Rochester seem like they're eighteen or twenty one and over, and like I don't know how many mm-hmm. kids are getting turned away by that. It sucks, but like I don't know if there's really as much of an all ages scene here like there used to be. Yeah. I mean I don't uh, I don't talk to a lot of like teenage <laughs> kids obviously being forty myself at this point you know what I mean but yeah. like. I imagine there's definitely teenagers somewhere listening to hardcore in Rochester. Yeah. I mean, there's got, they gotta be, I think a lot of it is done over the internet though. You know, 
a lot of it is you know they during especially during the lockdowns i think it was kind of cool that bands were still putting out shows per se like they'd show like their jam spot here's a few songs we're playing yeah. you know we, we've done that we've done like live while we're jamming in the, in the practice area and you know, things like that it's it's it, it gives you something to still keep it fresh you know without since we're all kind of stuck in the same situation you know what i mean like we want to play we want to play for you we're not not playing for you because we don't want you there we don't we don't you know i'm not being elitist or anything like that i want i want all the 16 year olds and 17 year olds and 18 year olds coming to the show buying our merch coming and talking to their friends about us and things like that because that's what we did that's what we did that's how the scene started yeah we started the, we started the scene by looking at we picking up a, some a record of somebody that we loved like say i pick up an agnostic front album i'd go right to the thank you list you go on the thank you list, you go check out all the bands that are on the thank you list. That's how you found out about the Crow Mags, or that's how you found out about Sick of It All, or Gorilla Biscuits, or any of those New York bands, you know, and, you know, Breakdown, you know, Raw Deal, you know, bands like that, that Uppercut, local guy, Steve Murphy, you know, I love the guy, the guy, the guy's like one of my better friends now, you know, he's a great guy, and uh, I, you know, last time King Destroy, Kings Destroy came through, I went and saw those guys play. And as a matter of fact, it was because of that that we put sick people on the record because we were talking to Carl. I was talking to Carl and I was, he was like, I told, you know, because we, you know, I told him I ran into Carl before because I got to be friends with Don from Breakdown. Uh, you know, Ross Dolan from Inhalation. His, his uh, years-long girlfriend, Shelly, was a good friend of Jim, Jim and myself from back, way back in the day. So we've gotten to be good friends with Ross from Immolation because of that. Ross is from Yonkers, and he knows all the guys in Breakdown. He went to high school with all those guys. So when we played that first show in Brooklyn, Don was there. Don went to that show because Ross and Shelly were there. And Don came up to me afterwards, and we talked, and he, we became like instant friends, like totally. Oh, it was so cool. And, you know, I got because of that, I got to know all the guys in Breakdown. And... Uh, Don even said, put a breakdown album on your record. Carl said it was cool too. And Jeff, we got the, we got, we got the okay from Jeff too. Jay, Jay talked to Jeff Purnell, said, hey, you know, is it all right if we put this on there? And he's like, yeah, no problem. He like, they actually liked the way we played it. You know, we play it faster, obviously, yeah. but we, they, they, they think we did it justice. And that's, to me, that was, that was like, that was like a huge compliment when the people that wrote that song liked the way you did their song. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, so it's like, and it's always going to be part of our itinerary. We'll play it if we need a song to fill space or whatever. It's usually right at the end. It's a sing along. It's great. It's real easy to remember the words, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I think you'll have a some good company to play with uh, again. Uh, February tenth, Mad Ball, The Take, Moment of Truth, The Club at Water Street. I I'll post the flyer with with this episode, obviously. Um, actually one thing I'm looking at while I'm, uh, kind of cheating and looking at the flyer to make sure I have all the information <laughs> properly on your guys's Instagram page. How did you guys create this little graphic? What am I, where am I looking at? It's from, it's from somebody's TikTok. It looks like Jay's got a TikTok. Yeah. Uh, like I said, <laughs> like I said, Jay's got a TikTok. 
So, hey, go on there and find some teenage. Not this. I, got, I guess I gotta say that very carefully. Be very careful. Um, the next words to come out yeah, of your mouth. <laughs> find some teenage kids to get to come to hardcore shows. Yes, on there. Yes, because I think there's they're probably on there like watching fucking video game videos or something. So, hey, I watch those um, damn videos. <laughs> they're probably entertaining. I, you know, they are. My son, my, so I, well, there's certain games that I like to play. Yeah. So those are the ones I would watch. You know. Yeah. Is that like is that like kind of like watching a walkthrough at that point too, and like watching them beat the game basically? Okay, or? I don't know if you know anything. I play Hearthstone. I don't know. It's about kind that. of a card. It's kind of a card game. Okay. But it's you know obviously it's it's graphic. Yeah. So it's it's like it's like it's almost like playing chess, you know. And yeah. to me, I like watching how other people craft their decks. This is so nerdy. They craft their decks. I like watching that because then it gives me ideas how to craft my deck. I know it sounds really nerdy, but you know what? I'm 50 years old. I grew up with games. You know what I mean? I grew up with comic books and games and things like that. And I see all this stuff out there now. And I'm like, this is what I grew up with. And, you know, I, I used to play, I ain't going to lie. I played Magic the Gathering a few times. You know, <laughs> played Dungeons and Dragons. It was my generation, you know? Um, so it's, it's just a, just, it's kind of a, kind of a part of who I am, you know? I got so I got a lot of nerd in me. I grew up with Star Wars and you know things like that. <laughs> my older sisters were more into like, well, my sister Jenny was cool. Uh, she was into like alternative rock and like kind of punk and stuff. But like they 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 weren't into any of that kind of stuff. So I didn't have anybody around me that was really into that stuff. Yeah. So I never really just never really got interested in it. Like my, if my son gravitates towards it, I'll be cool with it. But I won't really know what to yeah what to tell them, you know, cause I don't know anything about the stuff, you know, I so. think, I think it's a lot of the metal community. The, a lot of metal yeah. heads really like that D and D style stuff. So, I mean, that's where it all stems from. It's all stems from D and D. It's just a different, you know, they yeah. call it something different now. That's all. But I think about <laughs> the, the watching the videos now because like we have an old Wii and so we play the old Mario games with him and sometimes he'll yeah. be interested in, I want to be, I don't, I can't remember if I actually, ever actually beat the original Mario game. And sometimes I, I want to just watch one of those videos on YouTube <laughs> and watch them beat the game and see how to do it. But some of those, even the original Mario, I'm like, yo, I don't know if I could do that one level. Cause it's like a lot of different yeah, like, bags and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, it gets nuts. Yeah, it, some yeah. of those, some of those games get crazy. Yeah. But it's just crazy that people have like built up going back to the TikTok thing. I'm still like, like shocked by the fact that people can just make a living by playing video games basically online and people will, like that's them. the part that pisses me off because it's like god damn it i wish i wish i wouldn't have figured that out a long time ago and like yeah gotten better at something and because I, I mean i've been in it for third for oh my god uh i've been at the same company for 27 years now 20 almost yeah this is going on my 28th year and i've been in it it's for the most part you know um not a blue collar guy i guess you could say i used to be back when i was in the original moment of truth you know, it was more blue collar worker kind of thing. You did, you took whatever jobs you could, but as I got older, I kind of went with what, whatever, you know, I became a dad. So I had to learn how to make money. <laughs> like, and like the computers is where it went, you know? So I kind of stuck with it, you know, uh, fell backwards into this job, but um, yeah, been there for a long time, supported a family, got a kid that's, you know, fixing airplanes for American airlines now. And I got three wonderful stepchildren here and, taking care of everybody <laughs> yeah, that sounds that's that's uh where i hope to be in uh i guess about 10 years i think that's about our age gap i turned 40 last year and my kids are probably about 10 years apart from yours by the sounds of it too so um yeah. <laughs>
Well, my youngest, the youngest here, the, well, it's, see, my, 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 my wife is uh, 10 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. So she's 40. Her, her kids yeah. are um, 16, 13, and the one, the youngest just turned 12. Mm-hmm. So yeah it's an interesting age gap because my oldest is 25 (laughs) my my son's 25 yeah yeah wow yeah no my son just turned is gonna turn four in a couple months so we got a little road ahead of us here so (laughs) it's 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 an awesome road though it really is i I wouldn't trade it for anything man i love being a parent i love being a dad i really it's a lot it is a lot of fun watching but i sometimes i'm just like man i gotta take a deep breath here (laughs) yeah yeah but no it's great it's uh I just, like I said, I just wish we would have started a little bit earlier because I'm, I'm I do the math sometimes. I'm like, man, I'm gonna be 60 when this kid's <laughs> in college and stuff, and I'm gonna be yeah old, you know. I, I just I don't know how I'm gonna be able to play sports with him when he's a teenager. I'll be in my 50s, you know. So, but we'll see how. Yeah, and we'll have, we'll have robot knees by then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have all sorts of crazy, crazy yeah. stuff by then. So. Um, that pretty much wraps up most of what I had for an outline. I, I'm, I'm sure I could have you and Jim on here sometime to talk about all the stuff we've missed in the two episodes but is there anything that uh honestly that would be hilarious to have yeah. me and jim on at the same time because we've actually done that we did that at the one of the other uh radio shows last exit for the lost yeah those guys were funny we the, jim and i work together well because we're yeah. a perfect balance of each other you know yeah. well i'm guessing next next time there's like a mad baller show or something for you guys to promote <laughs> i'll get you guys on here together um but is there anything that you would that you'd want on an interview that I, we didn't touch on or that that you were thinking about that we didn't uh um, I, can't really, I can't really think of anything uh i'm sure he'll remind me afterwards uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll put that in your guys's dual episode uh, like i said when the, yeah. the next cool show comes up i guess with that in mind is there any anything else to plug i mean obviously the Madball show and like any shout outs or anything like that too uh, no i'll give a shout out to all the kids that have been coming to the shows it's really great seeing a lot of new faces uh i really do uh enjoy doing this i've been doing it as long as i have because I never really got into it, obviously never for the money. And I certainly didn't do it because of the women, because there were none, you know? <laughs> uh, and really it was a scene that there wasn't a lot of drugs and alcohol. So didn't really get into that either, but I did it because I wanted to do it. I enjoy entertaining. I enjoy getting up there. I really love writing music with Jim and Dave and, and Nate and Eric and Chris. I mean, I did it because I, these are my best friends and we made, we have something to say. If you want to listen to us, great. If not, yeah, listen to us anyway. You know, you might, you might, might, might like it. You know, well, uh, that's about all I have to say about that. I mean, <laughs> uh, I like to laugh a lot. So uh, oh, you're going to get a lot of giggles in there. <laughs> I think that's a good way to end the conversation. And I'll, I'll include the, the links to the, to, the, to the record and all that stuff for people to check out too after the episode. So, all right. Great. Um, but yeah, I guess that's going to wrap, wrap up the episode. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we got a bunch of episodes coming up. Uh, I'm not sure as of this recording what the next one will be, but I'm going to be interviewing uh, Mario from Upstate Records uh, soon and guys from Hourglass, uh, Paul from The Red Death, uh, Joe from Carbon Records. So one of those episodes will be the next one. I'm still kind of figuring out a calendar for February. Uh, thanks to Patrick for doing the interview. As always, thanks to Rob, Greg, and Jim for helping out with the podcast. Thanks to my family for all the support. Uh, See everyone real soon and stay safe.